0: it is time for a new episode of the mma report podcast of course i am jason floyd that is daniel gavons we're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts and of course you never know what else might come up here on this episode of the podcast we're recording this here on an early thursday morning just five days after UFC 298. Of course, we're two days away from a long day of MMA action on Saturday. It's all going to kick off at noon Eastern time with the PFL and Bellator pay-per-view from there over in Saudi Arabia. Pay-per-view starts at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Fight card has gone through a little bit of change uh, with uh, Patricio Pitbull getting a new opponent. Also, we you got the UFC Mexico card on Saturday, which by the way, Dave, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. We got a UFC record. Coming up here on Saturday, five five flyweight matchups on UFC Mexico. First time that's happened in UFC history. And we have no fights above 155 pounds on that card.
1: That is crazy. Absolutely nuts. Can't believe it. But I tell you what, pretty darn good card. I'm looking forward to it. And damn, I am looking forward to that crowd
0: yeah i mean look it's one of those things where you just look at you look at the fight card and you go yep that's not an apex card
1: yeah yeah absolutely and the fact that you had a card that drew a crowd filled with fighters 155 or lower whenever so many fighters And maybe that speaks to the fact that the UFC believes the biggest draws are 155 and higher whenever you have three pay-per-views that are stacked to the brim with big-time fights up and down the prelims that this is the quality leftovers you get. But it's really nice to see uh, the uh, lighter weight classes get the job done when it comes to selling tickets. And damn, I mean, those top two fights. Chef's kiss they belong on any main card on any UFC pay-per-view, and I'm excited for both of them.
0: For us longtime fans of MMA, I feel like on on Saturday I'm watching an old-school WEC card.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, man. I agree with you. Uh, That is so true. And for those that are uninitiated or don't know, WEC did have all the weight classes in the early portion, but towards the end, it was essentially... A lightweight and below promotion. I mean, they they did have again a middleweight division where Chael Sonnen and Brian Stan were fixtures, a welterweight division, but eventually they whittled it down to lightweight and under. And it was at a time when the UFC didn't have featherweight, didn't have bantamweight. So WEC had the best bantamweight in the world. WEC had the best featherweight in the world. WEC didn't even have damn flyweights at the time. Here we are, and their main event in the show.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, coming up here on this episode of the podcast, uh, basically the big portion of the show is kind of like a a true false uh, section that we're going to have where we're going to throw out multiple uh, topics out there related to UFC 298. UFC 299, UFC 300, also Saturday's PFL and Bellator event. Also, we'll talk about the the reaction to the announcement of the UFC 300 main event and some very interesting comments from Jamal Hill of how this thing all came together. And uh, well, kudos Jamal Hill for getting that bag. Wait, way to go, Jamal, get that bag for this matchup. So we'll we'll talk about that as well. But uh, Daniel, man, we're uh, it's here on Thursday, so it's, it's been a while since the weekend. I tell you, um, one of the things I'll. I went out on Saturday night to watch the UFC pay per view. And I text you this when when I got to the place that I, my neighborhood bar that I go to to watch UFCs. And I walked in and I was like, holy crap, it is packed. I had not seen it that packed for a UFC pay per view in a long time. And I don't know whether it's, you know, if it's because of the UFC, maybe just people are out and about. But I will say this every, the, the past three times Alexander Volkanovsky has fought, the bar has been packed.
1: He is absolutely one of the top five stars in the UFC. And not just stars, draws. People want to pay money to watch this dude fight. Why? Well, I think people have resonated with the Alexander Volkanovsky story. Volk was not this 24-year-old phenom that was God's gift to MMA. Volk worked his ass off to transition from a completely different sport and peak in his mid-30s to become one of the best featherweights on the planet. He's got a great humor to himself, and he's beating the best of the best. So absolutely, when it comes to active fighters, there aren't many that I would consider bigger draws than Volkanovsky because I don't consider John Jones and Conor McGregor active. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can name a single fighter. And maybe there is one, and I haven't thought too hard about it, but a single fighter that is a bigger draw than Volkanovski, if you exclude the two bad boys in mixed martial arts where you're more likely to see them in a mugshot than a poster for a pay-per-view.
0: I think for me, in terms of just going out and, and seeing kind of what brings an audience out, yeah, Volk is definitely one of those guys that, I, that brings a crowd.
1: I just thought about it for half a second. Izzy, well, yeah, I think Izzy's a slightly bigger the draw than Volk. Could be wrong, but that's the only one I would say. That's and then maybe I'll think of more. But uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, that was like a, really a big takeaway just from being out. And the thing I really noticed was that you know sometimes you go out, you watch UFC pay per view, and you know, fans really aren't really you know into watching all of the pay per view fights, but this time, I mean, everyone was in there, so it was a it was a good weekend, and uh, ended up playing a little blackjack uh, <laughs> after the fights there. And uh, I learned uh, here at the uh, Hard Rock Casino in Tampa, they they closed the blackjack tables off at about five o'clock in the morning.
1: You were out there till five in the morning, you wild dog. Well, what, what what are you doing?
0: Then I went back on Sunday and played for another three hours. Did you? Were you were you having some luck there, my man? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh oh, I was do, I was doing really well. I mean, it's about the last about on Sunday, about the last half hour, I started to kind of go downhill. I said, you know what, I'm gonna take my winnings and I'm gonna play another day.
1: So at the end of the day, you walked out with more money in your pocket than you walked in with.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: That's a good day. That's a good day. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, my man. Uh, that is, that is a level of skill that I do not have. I do not have that skill to stay at a blackjack table for longer than an hour. Usually I'm gone in about 30 seconds because I just suck at gambling. I mean, I remember I went to Vegas with money in my pocket after like three hands, I had none of it.
0: Yeah. You just, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things for me when I play blackjack, the first thing is I, I really want it to be a full table. Um, I, I don't like sitting at a table where it's only, you know, three people or less i want to have at least four if we can have five really great and then you know you just kind of you know you you look at who you're who who you're with you kind of can tell who who really knows what they're doing and uh but yeah it's i I, the funny thing is i saw a clip uh, coming from uh, either tiktok or instagram reels it was from a power slap post-fight press conference and someone asked dana so do you hear on (laughs) sixteen? (laughs) <laughs> and Dana's like yes hit on 16 He goes well, what about 17 and then Dana tells a story About the one time he actually did hit on 17 And yeah I, I don't have that Dana White Gambling money but uh, you know It's 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 fun entertainment you know it's It was it was a nice uh, Sunday Fun day for me you know sat there Had a couple coronas and it was a good time
1: I'm glad man I'm glad you're Able to have a good time you clearly Had a better Saturday night than Alexander Volkanovsky You You, you uh You you know you got to show me your ways and give me some gambling tips because uh, again like I remember going to Vegas on vacation and my girlfriend won some money she spent it all on roulette and lost it immediately. Um, Yeah yeah apparently some of those YouTubers are real influential where they just take up (laughs) like millions of dollars and do and fly to Vegas just to do it on black. And so she thought she was going to be just as lucky. And
0: just, they, look, don't we all have that feeling when we walk into a casino that we're gonna, we're going to take all the casinos' money? Like at the end of the day, they don't build these big casinos because they're losing money.
1: Vegas treated us like we were an older fighter going up against a young prospect in a Joe Silva <laughs> matchup. I mean, they just put us away.
0: Yeah, man. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Blackjack's more my game. I like to play poker a little bit and I'll play slots here and there. I mean, like, you know, slots, I, to me, like, slots are kind of like that, you know, hey, you could win big. You're likely just going to make a donation.
1: Yeah. Slots, I mean, everything in Vegas feels like, yes, there's been like a lot of research and planning and strategy built into making sure the house wins. But slots, especially, feels like the house will always win that. That that nonsense
0: By the way speaking of Las Vegas I don't know if you saw this PFL is going to do One of their events for this upcoming Season the night before UFC 300 I actually think this is a brilliant move By the PFL I mean I know I saw Some media reaction on this but my thought Was like hey man if you're a fan That's going to go out to Vegas for UFC 300 weekend like if I'm PFL I'm sitting there going, you know what? Hey, let's try to let's try to attack these UFC fans that are going to be in town and hopefully get them to the PFL event on Friday. I thought that was a great decision by the PFL.
1: That's going to work. That is that's phenomenal. And I wouldn't be surprised if Endeavor jumps on it with the WWE show. But there's going to be a big audience of MA fans who don't give a crap about pro wrestling and just want to see maybe some high level mixed martial arts. Now, if they're bringing their significant other to Las Vegas for a UFC 300 trip and they're saying like, hey. Let's do another night at MMA. I know you want to go watch Bruno Mars, but I really want to watch, you know, Cesar Ferreira. That might be a hard one to sell. By the end of the day, you look at professional wrestling. That is a tentpole of what we see in that industry. During WrestleMania weekend, it has ballooned into literally hundreds of pro wrestling shows that start happening in whatever city WrestleMania is starting on Wednesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you'll see all the notable independent wrestling promotions have shows to capitalize on that large population. Smart move by PFL.
0: Yeah, PFL... yeah, PFL announced this on Tuesday. They announced their first three events. Uh, April 4th will be in San Antonio, Texas at the Boeing Center. That's going to feature the heavyweight and women's flyweight divisions. April the 12th, which is the night before UFC 300, they'll be at the theater at the Virgin Hotels uh, in Las Vegas. That'll be the light heavyweight and lightweight divisions. And then April 19th, they'll be at the Wind Trust Arena in Chicago, which will feature the welterweight, and featherweight divisions one of the things that really noticed really stuck out to me about this is they're going to bigger arenas which i think maybe plays into you know some of these you know, Bellator employees coming into the PFL, kind of you know showing them what they do from a ticket aspect. Uh, the when you talk about the Bellator fighters that uh, they had said Bellator fighters are probably going to make up about half of this season. Uh, in on the April fourth event, uh, Valentin Moldovsky and Liz Carmouche will be a part of those tournaments. Uh, April twelfth, the lightweights will be lightweights and light heavyweights. Phil Davis and Patricky Pitbull will be in that as well and uh when it comes to the april 19th card andre koreshkov will be in that welterweight tournament so we haven't seen koreshkov inside the bellator cage so I, it's one of those announced by the pfl i saw it this week and i was like man that's kind of a brilliant idea. i did see i saw this article come across my twitter timeline don davis um i i don't know I really wondered, is, is Don Davis an historian of mixed martial arts? I'm really thinking he's not because he keeps taking jabs at the UFC. And I'm just like, I've seen this playbook before, Don Davis. You're going to say something at some point that Dana White is going to say something that maybe you don't want to be out in the public. Yeah. At some point,
1: Dana's is going to going to react. He's currently treating him like an annoying little brother. Where he's like, oh, yeah, whatever. And maybe it's because Dana doesn't feel threatened. Don isn't a historian. No one in this business that's trying to make money is a historian. Every time a fighter gets on a hot streak, they now become the best fighter in the division's history, according to the UFC. (laughs) These people lie to us all the time. In Don's case, it's not so much about lying. It's about not understanding that you don't poke the bear because Dana White has, in the UFC, have created a very difficult situation to thrive. If you're an MMA promotion, I can't remember. Um, Oh, the Monopoly. Uh, They've created a Monopoly. Um, Oh, crap. Hunter Campbell's about to walk through my door and yell at me. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't. Don, Don makes a lot of poor choices. He, he does. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And also, a lot of the time he kind of says stuff that I don't think is accurate.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, one, it, this is an article from The Independent, now, and I'll put this here in the show notes where he kind of talked about the, the Saudi Arabia aspect of, of you got to put uh, big shows on over there. But I thought the most interesting uh, part about this is he actually reveals of when they reached out to Paramount about buying Bellator. He said, quote, we reached out to Paramount, which owned Bellator, in January 2023. We suggested that they sell Bellator to us, and that's how the conversation started. All deals like this are never smooth sailing. And there's always hiccups along the way, but as Shakespeare said, "All's well that ends well." So I thought that was kind of a little bit of an interesting nugget that you know really it, it essentially took about nine ten months for this deal. Walton, we come together and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that PFL and Bellator show coming up here in a little bit. But let's get into our main part of the show, True False, where I came up with all these various questions. There, where we can talk about True False, but I think also we can kind of have a, a little bit of a debate about it. And one of the things that uh, I want to start off with what we saw at UFC 298, of course, we saw Ilya Taporio go out there and get the uh, stoppage victory there in the second round, stopping Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky now two and three. In his last five fights. And let me start on the Alexander Volkanovsky side. True, false. Alexander Volkanovsky will fight for a UFC title in the future. It's a
1: tough one. It really is. I'm going to lean on true. The reason being is I believe in Alexander Volkanovsky's talent. The end of the day, he was looking halfway decent against Taporia. The one thing is, Ilya Taporia is the real deal. His hands are dynamite. He has some of the great power in this weight class. He's a phenomenal fighter, and he might be champion for a long time at one forty-five. We might have a new king at one forty-five. Ilya said he was going to do everything. He actually did it. He just uh, needs to work on his ability to project his promo ability because his post fight interview wasn't that good. It wasn't something that capitalized on the moment. He's got to figure that part out otherwise Taporia is the dude. When it comes to Volkanovski, he's definitely older. He's had back to back tough knockout losses. He is not getting that next championship shot. I don't think. But I believe in him as a work ethic as a talent. When I look at how, let's say he, after this fight, gets paired up with Brian Ortega, give me Volkanovski in that fight. I like him against those. I, I think he's only one to two wins away from another championship opportunity when you look at the name value he has.
0: I lean with false here, and like you, I, I don't think we're going to see an immediate rematch here, even though I think, you know, very, uh, I can make the case of why there should be a immediate rematch. You're talking about a longtime champion, arguably the greatest featherweight of all time in this division. I know old school MMA fans may not want to say he's greater than Jose Aldo. I would personally say because of the strength of competition that he beat in this run, I would call him the featherweight goat as we currently speak, but, you know, it, it's, if his next fight is not against Taporia, I just don't know if he gets there. And I think it's about the age and what has happened in his past couple of fights. You mentioned about the back, past uh, knockouts in his last two fights. So to me, I think it's more of lean towards false in this one. And, and I think that if you're the rest of this featherweight division, you're likely very happy. The fact that Ilya Taporia is a featherweight champion because it really opens up this division. Now, if we flip it to the other side with Ilya Teporia, I think a true/false question is: Does a Yair Rodriguez win on Saturday equal Ilya Teporia's first title defense? And I'm going to say true. I don't. I don't think an Ortega win goes out there and gets him a title shot matchup. But I think a Yair Rodriguez win. Yair has obviously made some comments this week about. Uh, let's just say he doesn't really care for Ilya Teporia. So to me, I think that is. I will say true. The Yair Rodriguez win on Saturday equals that'll be Ilya Teporia's first style defense.
1: You know, Teporia has called out Connor. He wants that fight to happen. He's a smart man. He wants the fight that's going to give him the most amount of money. At this point in time, don't think Ilya has the amount of leverage to make that fight a reality. And I don't think Connor can make 145. And I don't think the UFC is going to Spain soon. Maybe if Tapiria continues to be a champion, we will see that fight in Spain. Yair versus Ortega. What a great fight. We get some conclusion to the last time these two stepped in the cage and Ortega got that shoulder injury. These are two top five featherweights. Yair is the highest ranked featherweight not named Alexander Volkanovsky. He's a fighter that you can understand why any promotion would want to get behind pushing them. I think he has a great shot at beating Ortega, and he is my pick on Saturday. I do not think he gets the next championship opportunity. I think that is false. The reason being is I think the next man to challenge for Ilya Teporiya's championship will be Max Holloway.
0: It's a good guess.
1: If Max Holloway performs well against Justin Gaethje, doesn't even have to win. Doesn't even have to win. He just has to perform well. It just has to be a fight of the year. I
0: mean, but if he, he goes out, more more but if he goes out there and beats Justin Gaethje, is his 55? Yeah,
1: he might fight for the lightweight title. You're not wrong about that. You're not wrong about that. But, but by the way,
0: yeah, Brian Ortega, his last win against someone currently in the UFC, you got to go back to December 9th, twenty seventeen versus Cub Swanson wow so his, he's his, since that fight he beat Frankie Edgar Frankie's retired he has a decision win against Chan Sung Jung retired his other three fights uh, since then Max Holloway loss Alexander Volkanovsky loss and then of course the TKO uh, due to injury loss to Yair Rodriguez back in July of 2022 but yeah that's, that's one of the crazy things about Brian Ortega is, is how far you gotta go back and you know and and Will, we'll talk about this more when we get a little bit into UFC Mexico. I think one of the big things about this card is going to be fighting at elevation and, and what fighters could potentially struggle if the fight gets later on into it. Uh, you know, Speaking of UFC 298, another uh, true-false I have is when it comes to UFC 298 prospect winners, so I'm talking about Nakamura, Barlow, Elliott, and Zhang, does Nakamura have the highest ceiling? Are you buying the most stock? in Nakamura, or somebody else.
1: True. So you look at those four performances, what do we see? Well, first one, here's my thought. Oban Elliott. Every time they talk about him, man, I think his name is Old Man Elliott. I'm just like, who's Old Man Elliot? This guy looks so young. <laughs> Elliot versus Woodburn in this one. It was Elliott's wrestling. That was the dominant factor. What worries me is the stand-up. The boy got hit a lot by big time <clears throat> Woodburn. That takes out oh, old man. Now we're looking at Rinya, Zhang Yang, Damie Barlow. Between those two, I'm I'm leaning more Barlow over Zhang. Both Zhang and Barlow performed well. Damn, the one thing I like about Zhang is the weight class. Two oh five. He looked he looked really great. Against Brenton Ribeiro, but I think Ribeiro is a worse talent than Barlow's opponent, Josh Quinlan. And technically speaking, Danny looked a lot better on the feet. That being said, Min Yang, excited to see him, but I would rank him three. I would put Barlow at two. And the reason why I got Rinya at one is the man went out there with this Brian Hall grappler, completely out grappled him, escaped all the leg lock attempts, dominated the fight, My man was ready to cry as if he lost in a post-fight interview. He was not content. Oh, he broke his hand. When I see a man with that type of outlook on life, I am betting on that guy. I am betting on Renya Nakamura, not only with what he showed in that cage, Jason, but what he showed
0: out of it. The only thing I didn't like about that matchup is, like, why did he keep going into the lion's den you know your opponent's a leg lock specialist and you kept going in that den. I'm like, man, you're playing with fire. You're playing with fire. But like if in terms of ranking these, I, I think your Elliot is number four to me. And just because of the the deficiencies I saw in the striking aspect, he's one of those guys that if they put him up against a wrestler or a grappler in his next matchup, I would be a little bit concerned if they can neutralize it, keep it on the feet. Um, you, you saw some, but, I mean, look, we could see a lot of improvements from this, this kid, young kid still. Zhang's only 25 years old, and that's where I kind of look at that and say I probably put him two on the list behind Nakamura uh, and then Barlow's right there. Barlow's 29 years old. Y- y- you love the striking aspect. I-, I wish it's one of those fights as I'm, I'm sitting on my couch and I'm watching it. And I'm just like, I was like, come on, man. Like, put some pressure on a little bit more. He kind of, you know, kind of had that karate point style kind of fighting and, you know, kind of like he, he reminds you a little bit of Michael Page when you were watching him in there. And, and I could see him being someone that really sticks around the UFC a long time just because they love their style. But I'm with you. I think it's true. I think Nakamura is the guy I want to buy the most stock in just because of that the wrestling and grappling ability that he does have. And, you know, and, and look, we all know that you got to have that wrestling for the most part to be a UFC champion.
1: You know, can I just say, UFC 298, the main card actually delivered. And while we're on this topic, the prelims did too. I mean, these are fighters that I wasn't really thinking about as we headed into Saturday. And they showed out. And overall, it was a damn good event. And it's worth giving the UFC its flowers because I talk a lot of crap whenever they put on some bad cards. Mm -hmm. This was an amazing experience, man. Top to bottom, so many great fights on the main card, so many great prospects. And then you look at that prelims, bro. You know, had a nice finish in the Dilema fight. And I really loved watching that women's fight between Mackenzie Dern and Amanda Lemos. And the reason why I loved it was the heart that, like this sport is amazing where you can get your ass beat for a whole round You can get up and you can work the crowd. You're a freaking (laughs) gladiator. And Mackenzie Dern earned my respect in a losing fashion. And she performed so good in round three. That's why I love this shit. The heart of a warrior. You face adversity. You come out in round three and you dominate. And so I really was reminded why I love this sport. Even before we got into the pay-per-view on Saturday, man.
0: I remember watching the very first fight at night. The fight ends. Andrea Lee raised her hand like she won. I go, hold on. You don't think you won this fight? <laughs> like you can't. It's one of those things. I'm like, did her quarter like tell her it's one one? Like it's just like it's one of those things. that you, you see like, oh man. But yeah, it, the, the fight card absolutely delivered over there. Um, you know, Ian Gary, Jeff Neal, what wasn't the greatest of fights, and um, you know, you know, very close in, in terms of the scorecards there. Uh, Whitaker and Costa, man, that was an excellent win. And you talk about that, the the spinning uh, head kick that Costa landed that probably might have put a lot of guys down doesn't go there. And I heard this great line on, on the Code podcast as they were doing some listener emails, and they talk about the uh, toughness of Mackenzie Dern. I never heard, you know, we we've heard that line of tougher than two dollar stake. The uh, email said Mackenzie Dern is tougher than the back wall at a gun range.
1: I've never heard that. I've never I, heard either. Uh, that's a good one. If you've ever been to a gun range, Jesus Christ, they have so many dents from the ricochets of the shells. I gotta say though, I think we gotta change. I, I don't like the way we score fights, man. I do not like the way we score fights. I okay. How, how do you? But how do you change it? I don't like clearly prioritizing. What I don't like is how we say level one, if you accomplish level one, which is significant damage, everything Mm -hmm. else below it is irrelevant. You win the round. I don't like that aspect of the criteria. Case in point, round one with Whitaker Costa. I don't like a fight where the guy wins the majority of the round and then the guy lands one strike that rocks the dude, and, and granted, may almost finish him, and he just wins the round. Or, and that that's a more controversial argument on my behalf because you can really make a case he deserves to win that round. Here's, here's where I'm getting at. I don't like a round where maybe the first minute, one fighter gets the better of the stand up by a little bit, and then the last four minutes, the other fighter takes the opponent down, maintains top control, threatens submissions, and the one who gets the takedown loses the round. I really do think that fighter deserves to win the round. Even if they got the lesser of the stand-up. I personally don't like the aspect of no wiggle room. When it comes to analyzing what happened in a round. So that 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 was a thought I had throughout that card. I think that played a role in the judging of the LeMosh Dern fight. And I don't necessarily like it. I, I, I wish there was more ambiguity. I think it, it's scoring isn't perfect it never will be but i don't like that strict nature of you if you win the significant damage boom you win the round
0: yeah i mean i, I think it's i i i understand why why damage should be the number one priority but yeah I, I mean look you make great points you make great points i mean it's just you it what like a pet peeve of mine is when, you know, a round is relatively close and then a fighter gets a a, a takedown of 10 seconds and the announcer goes, well, that just got in the round, like. Yeah. and, And also, like, it's also a thing of, like, and I've said this for a long time, we put way, way more value on someone successfully taking a fight to the ground than someone defending eight takedowns in a round and we value that one takedown they got more than the eight they stopped.
1: You're totally right. I I do feel like maybe we may have overcorrected when it comes to the analysis of the judging, when it comes to that aspect of the fight. Sometimes it's like we punish people for doing takedowns and just staying there. But at the end of the day, if they don't do anything to get closer to winning a fight, it's hard to really call that effective fighting. So I understand that. I I... I I agree that obviously damage should be the top priority. I I think what I'm really focusing in on is not so much arguing the priority of the scoring. It's having that flexibility of not letting the priority absolutely determine the the, the thing. It should be like, yes, that's the highest priority, but it was kind of close. Or it was only a little bit one way or the other. Let's look at the other ones. And I know that's kind of how it's done. But the way I interpret the rules, if it's clear who won... And it's not like a wide margin, but it's still clear who won. Priority won. That's who won the round. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. It is, I would like it to be opened up a little bit.
0: Let's move over to Saturday for our next question. Of course, as I mentioned, we've got a long day of mixed martial arts action. If you want to sit on your couch all day long, you can literally sit on your couch at 12 noon Eastern time and uh, be on your couch all way until past 1 a.m. Eastern time if you really want to do that. I'm just going to tell you right now. Full disclosure, because, you know, we don't we don't BS you on this podcast. Uh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I am not going to sit on my couch from, from noon to 1 a.m. Eastern time. I'm going to go out there and live life a little bit. But uh, this is actually a question that Daniel uh, brought up here. And so we, PFL, Bellator, we have seven matchups that put uh, Bellator fighters up against PFL fighters. Will Bellator sweep PFL on Saturday in Saudi Arabia? And just to give a little uh, backstory on this, out of the seven matchups, six of the seven are the Bellator fighter is the betting favorite. The only Bellator fighter who's not a betting favorite is Romero, Romero's taking on Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos is a minus 122 betting favorite over at DraftKings Sportsbook.
1: Freak, man. If Tiago Santos is your best hope, a man who hasn't won since 2021 that is not great can you read off the pfl versus bellator matchup so we all kind of have a sense of what we're looking at here
0: so we got ryan bader versus henna ferrera in the main event then we got uh, johnny eblin versus uh, impica by the way ryan bader uh is uh now approaching the actually the underdog in this one he's minus 102 minus 118 for him and for uh, uh Saganai, a plus 380 betting underdog against Johnny Evelyn, who's a 5 to 1 betting uh, favorite. Then we got Patricio Pitbull uh, taking on Gabriel Braga. Of course, uh, Pinedo was supposed to be in this matchup. Due, he, he had to pull out due to an injury, so now uh, Patricio takes on Braga. Uh, Patricio, a minus 166 betting favorite, plus 140 for Gabriel Braga. Jason Jackson, a minus 675 betting favorite against Ray Cooper, a third, which is he's a plus 490 betting underdog. By the way, that's at a catch weight of 182 pounds. Then we got uh, Bruno taking on Nemkov. Nemcoff minus 520. Bruno is plus 390. Of course, this is Nemkov's debut here in the heavyweight division. And then Tiago Santos and Yuel Romero.
1: And then... um
0: Oh, and then AJ I, McKee and Clay Collard.
1: Yeah. So, at the end of the day, I'm going to say false. I'm going to say there's no sweep. Why? I'm not even looking at the fights when I say false. I'm just saying, you're telling me a seven-fight parlay is going to hit. I'm going to say no chance in hell.
0: And, <laughs> if and, you're not, telling- and it's not paying really well for a seven-fight, uh, seven-leg parlay. Uh, plus yeah. nine fifty-three if you go a seven-leg <laughs> parlay.
1: Crazy. That's crazy, bro.
0: Well, you're uh, also talking so, about you've got a uh, Nemkov yeah. at minus five twenty, Jackson minus six seventy-five, and Ebbwin at minus five hundred.
1: So, like right away, when I look at these matchups, which matchups do I feel? Foregone conclusion, Bellator is going to win. It, it's those three you mentioned. It's Eblen versus Kasagane. It seems like there's, these guys are at different levels. Clearly, Impa could potentially knock out Eblin if Eblin gets crazy, but I think Eblen's better in every aspect of the game. Um, I, I think Nemcup clearly is just better in every aspect than Capoloza. The same with Jackson versus Cooper. The one thing that worries me about that fight is is the weight class is different for Jason. That mm-hmm. worries me. And guess what? Ray Cooper has some hands. Ray Cooper does play that role. That being said, I go to sleep at night feeling pretty good about those three winning. When it comes to who's going to upset the Bellator fighter, I think right away the number one you got to look at is Hennan Ferreira. Just because Bader's older, Hennan has a lot of physical attributes that make him a threat for Bader. I like on a single fight basis, I'm picking Bader to beat Hennan. On a single fight basis, I'm picking Patricia Pitbull to beat Gabriel Braga. On a single fight basis, I'm picking Clay Collard. I mean, AJ McKee to beat Clay Collard. I think all those three guys are better fighters. But those fights give me concern because of the age of Bader and Patricio. Patricio's coming off that loss and Ryzen. That didn't look that good. And AJ McKee sometimes fights very, very, very cautious and allows the other fighter to outpoint him. I think at some point, something is going to go wrong for one of these Bellator fighters. But this topic really shows the disparity in the talent level between the two rosters when you look at the fact that so many Bellator fighters are favorites, and we are taking it seriously that a sweep is in play.
0: I mean, I would say this. I think the McKee-Collard fight is probably the fight that intrigues me the most from a fighting style. I mean, I think if we're talking about uh, using your your best uh, way to get the victory, AJ, using wrestling, not having a striking matchup against Clay Collard. I'll be honest with you, Tiago Santos, Joe Romero does not really interest me much at all. Um, you know, you, you never know what to get out of them. Nimkov is what does he look like at heavyweight? And that, that, to me, is a little bit of the question there. I think you, you broke it down great with, with Jackson and Cooper third. If, if you're Jason Jackson, to me, it's about uh, utilizing your grappling, not getting to a striking matchup. Uh, you know, Braga and, and Patricio is probably going to be a very fun matchup between those two. But I think you bring up a great point about Patricio's age, what he looked like in his last matchup. I expect Johnny Eblen to go out there and get the way against Imokasagnai. I mean, look, if you're looking to make a bet on that fight, I'd be looking at try, maybe looking at Eblen you know, inside the distance type prop. Um, and then for whatever reason, why do I see Ryan Bader losing on Saturday? Because he's been around
1: for a very long time. Think of all the fighters that were around when he started entering his prime in the UFC. There's not many left. Most of them are fighting at UFC 300 for the last time.
0: Ryan Bader's been in Bellator for like what six years I want to say
1: I wouldn't be shocked if he's been in Bellator longer than the UFC
0: his first fight in Bellator was June 24th 2017 his last fight in the UFC November 19th 2016
1: and when did he debut in the UFC 2009
0: into 2008 on the ultimate fighter finale
1: okay so I guess he was in the UFC just a little bit longer but uh yeah, you look at the great Bellator fighters of all time. Ryan Bader has on that and, list.
0: And you got to imagine. I know there's been kind of been some speculation. Could Francis Ngannou be in the building? And it's ultimately going to be announced. Whoever wins the main event is going to take on Ngannou. Um, and Ngannou. Uh, the price point came out for his pay per view against uh, Anthony Joshua. I say seventy dollars. is going to be that pay per view. Okay. And did I see? Did I see that fight on a Friday?
1: I didn't see that. That's pretty pretty um it's not great let me see it's march 8th march 8th that sounds like a friday because march tenth. it is is yeah
0: March. i I saw that i was like my first thought i was like that can't be right but yeah march 8th wow
1: is that in saudi arabia
0: yeah it's in saudi arabia
1: so that's going to be on during the day on a work day on a friday that's pretty that's pretty crazy man People are going to stream that one illegally so hard because it's just you can't even gather the buddies to watch it and buy it. You know, you're just like, oh, I'm at work. i going to screw it. I'm not going to buy it. I could
0: you. see if it was uh, the next weekend is you wouldn't want to go up against the NCAA tournament, but it's also St. Pat's weekend, you know, which is obviously a big drinking holiday here in the United States.
1: Is the NCAA tournament the same weekend as St. Patrick's Day weekend?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's always that yeah. way.
1: It sucks. I have a show in Fort Worth that weekend, so I'm going to be driving. St. Pat's is on a Sunday this year. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Um, yeah, I think it's a bad idea. At the end of the day, Francis is going to get that bag, but when it comes to optimizing the amount of people that are going to watch your product, that's not a great idea. Yeah. I'm tired of these shows in Saudi Arabia, bro. I am. I mean, dude. that
0: money, bro. I mean, I I, 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 under, I understand why, as promotion, you do it. Um, I, I but I think in terms of, you know, when you look at PFL, Bellator, at least uh, at least Saturday, it's a Saturday, it's not a Friday. I mean, if it was a Friday, I mean, like how many people? I mean, I don't know about you, but like, <laughs> I remember I, I had to do a family dinner at um, a couple of Fridays ago at three o'clock in the afternoon, and and uh, one of my relatives goes, "Oh, so your your work day's over?" I go, "Oh." I'm like, what time do you think a work day ends for me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was working till like uh, 10 o'clock last night. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, you know, I mean, it, so, but like, I get why you, you go out and get that money in Saturday. One of the things that I found really interesting because if you listen to this podcast for a long time, you, you know, I'm part of a restaurant group and um, previous PFL pay-per-views have been a part of ESPN Plus for business packages. This is how we get fight night cards, um, various other events. And when I look at the calendar, I didn't see the PFL Bellator card on there, and I called my rep over at Joe Hand, and I said, you know, I was asking about, because uh, we, we just got the zone package for boxing, and I said, I was like, hey, you know, just is this PFL event going to be on? And I haven't heard well, yes or no whether the, the PFL Bellator card is going to be offered up to sports bars and restaurants, which I think is kind of crazy if it's not.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, because that's the best way you can convert casual fans. Is people who are out eating that didn't even have it top of mind, and it's on, especially during that time period. There'll be a lot of people out for lunch,
0: especially on a Saturday afternoon. You know, I mean, the pay view starts at <clears throat> three o'clock Eastern time. Like you think about how many people, you know, even you know, just hanging out with with the friends on, on a Saturday afternoon. Maybe you're, you know, there, there's a lot of cool places like right around right here. in My office actually, uh, there's a spot I want to check out. It's a uh, it's a a par a, a mini golf. That's also a bar. Sounds like it's up my alley.
1: Is it? a, a whole course. Uh, I Is think it it's like only. Place? I
0: think it's only like nine holes. But yeah, it, it, I've seen some pictures. That looks it's pretty like, fun. Looks like a cool place. By the way, yeah. uh, you know, because of the, the uh, pinata pulling out of this matchup, Braga being uh, elevated to take on Patricio, Aaron Pico now gets a rematch against Henry Corrales. They fought a couple years ago. Henry Corrales knocked him out there in the first round. And I'm just gonna say this right now. If you love the bet on fights, why is Carissa Shields a five to one betting favorite? I'm sure this is a matchup. I have not looked into her opponent, but I'm just going, she should not be a five to one betting favorite. I'm sorry.
1: Let me tell you let me tell you if I can tell you why. If DeSantis so can,
0: has any takedown abilities, you know that's what she's doing.
1: So DeSantis is um she is the daughter of Ron DeSantis. and Susan, no, I'm kidding. Uh, she's 1-2, 35, transit MMA Masters. She lost her first two fights to Amanda Bell and Alana Jones, but she beat Kathleen Nelson via TKO KO. Um, she's 1-2, as I mentioned. Uh, maybe only pull up her fight tape. Look, you're right. At the end of the day, Claire's looked like crap and lost her last fight. Uh, the takedowns is going to be the, the issue here. I mean, the PFL, I would assume, knows what they're doing when it comes to matching Clarissa up against fighters who aren't very good. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll pull up that fight tape.
0: And, uh, yeah, Kelsey's looking okay. Um, Look, clearly she's being brought in to lose. Let's not kid ourselves. But yeah, in terms a, of you know putting some money out there, I, I'm not putting, I'm not taking Clarissa Shields as a five one betting parent, having confidence. No, this you're this, this is this you're is not. mixed martial arts. This is not boxing. Me and we've seen she can get taken down pretty easily.
1: It seems like with Kelsey, the way she gets her takedowns is by putting fighters against the cage, bringing them down, working the clinch, which seems like a bad idea against Clarissa Shields. But also like if she's able to get through the clinch work and and not get put away. She's skillful enough to get the job done, and if she puts Clarissa on her back, I mean, that's a round DeSantis is going to win. The stand-up looks, you know, it's going to be a massive gap. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, Shields should be the pick, but if you're putting money on Clarissa's Shields, you must have a lot of it because there's there's not much point with those odds.
0: Here's another thing. Is it a bad look for the PFL if or goes out there and sweeps him?
1: It's a slightly bad look. It's not the best mojo in the world, but at the end of the day, those fighters aren't Bellator fighters anymore. They're PFL fighters. You're, Damn, you're her, her, her defense is not great. All right, I'm picking Shields. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say it's slightly like a bad PR story for a day. But at the end of the day, those fighters are PFL fighters, so it's not the worst thing in the world.
0: Yeah, and, and look, it, it's great that belt, these Bellator fighters now getting the opportunity to fight. We'll see kind of how PFL the direction of, of Bellator here in 2024. Also on Saturday, of course, uh, we got a pair of rematches in the UFC uh, card there in Mexico. And the next true false is, will the winner of Moreno versus Roy Val get the next flyweight title shot? And I'm going to say false on this one, Daniel. I, do, I think even though he pulled out due to an injury... Amir Al may be the guy that gets the next title shot.
1: Damn, we are in agreement, um, and the reason being is I think there's a little bit of there's fatigue when it comes to flyweight championship rematches. We've mm-hmm. seen them time and again. Both Miranda and Royville have had those opportunities. These are two badass am efforts. I'm damn excited. For a casual fan, they might be mistaken and think this is a championship fight. They might think Moreno is still champion, and not realize Pantoja is. So I agree with you. I, I think Albizi gets the next fight. Albazi gets the next fight. When it comes to this matchup, I'm picking Brandon Moreno. Um just feel a little more confident in his abilities here. When it comes to consistently winning rounds, what worries me about him and Roy Val is Roy Val, man, he is a spark plug. He can absolutely knock the dude out, finish the fight. But throughout 25-minute contest, I'm liking Moreno to win this one. The one dream matchup I've been thinking about for the longest time in this flyweight division, and it doesn't matter who the champion is, but when you look at the state of one FC, I wonder if we will ever see the UFC get back in the Matrix Johnson business. Will the UFC ever go and acquire Demetrius Johnson and sell that fight as the the king is back? Can he regain his championship? Because that is an interesting story to tell. For a man who was one of the best fighters in the world and never resonated, didn't ever really gather an audience, can the UFC retell his story as the, the, the champion who has returned? Is that something the UFC would even be interested in? That is a a thought I thought about when I thought about the state of the 1FC.
0: Another interesting name, and there's been some kind of debate of kind of could he come back to UFC at some point, Koji Horiguchi.
1: That's another good one. High quality fighter. Believe he's a is he available is he a Free agent
0: the uh, Saki Bar made some comments that uh, Sound like or Gucci, that's kind of where he would Like to be so we'll see what happens there But I also think of reason Why I say that the winner of Saturday's main event will Not be next for Pantoja I think It comes down to timing UFC is going to do a pay-per-view. Their May pay-per-view, May 4th, is going to be in Brazil. i got to imagine Pantoja's got to be a guy that they want in probably the co-main event. The main event was targeted to be Alex versus Jamal. Of course, we know that's now the UFC 300 main event. So, to me, I think it's just about timing. I mean, I do like Brandon Moreno to go out there and get the win. Um, I And I think the big thing is I think we'll see takedowns be a big part of that. We've seen Brandon, Brandon Roy Val really struggle to be able to stop the takedown. So, I think that... Uh, Moreno's going to get the win, but I'm with you. I think it's one of those things of can you really sell me right now on another Pantoja-Moreno matchup?
1: You can't sell anybody on that matchup. We will watch it and enjoy it, but there isn't really money to be made. People aren't going to pay for that.
0: Let's move over to UFC 299. We got one uh, 299 question. If Sean O'Malley retains his title next month against Chito Vera, his next title events will be against Marab Davishvili.
1: I'm glad we're asking this question because we need to talk about Marab. He's the best band in in the FN world. I've been saying it for a while now. Round one was a little hairy. So Hudo clearly won round one, and I hope he doesn't retire because he still has it. It's pretty high stakes to put your career in the line against Mirab. That's like putting your career in the line against The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's like putting your career <laughs> on the line uh, against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I think Mirab is that good. I think he's the best bantamweight in the world. I don't know if Sean O'Malley has earned an opportunity to fight the best bantamweight in the world, but we'll see if he does with the win over in that contenders matchup he's got against Cheeto Vera. I, I know Sean has the championship, but the bantamweight champion of the world is Mirab. That's my opinion. Um, do I think that fight happens? No, I don't think Sean O'Malley wants to fight Murab uh, because Murab doesn't have a name value, and Murab will win that fight. I don't think the UFC is in the Murab business because the UFC is not in the business of promoting the best fighters. Right Bilal Muhammad, but we're, we're um, gonna get
0: we're gonna get to that one next. Don't don't worry, we're gonna get that question. Like, look, I it, my perception is if you listen to Sean O'Malley talk. I understand why he, as he thinks about his future, of why he'd be more interested in an iliad Taporia fight than a fight against Marab. And I think that, I was listening to his comments on, on Ariel show, and, and I agree with what he said. Like, you know, yeah, Marab's got a ton of cardio, but, you know, he doesn't have that fight-ending power to end the fight. But, like, to me, I, and my perception could be very wrong, I just don't think Sean O'Malley is very interested in, in what you're going to have to do to get ready for Marab, Not just what you're going to see on fight night. It is that that eight weeks leading up to that matchup where you're going to have to bring, you know, bring in all those guys from the lab that are wrestlers that are just going to keep pounding and pounding and pounding. I mean, remember, in the five-round fight that Marab had with Jan, he had 49 takedown attempts.
1: Eight weeks ain't enough. That's like me telling you, Jason, in eight weeks, I'm going to dunk a basketball. It's going to take years. Bruh, Murad went out there and out-grappled the Olympian. He out-wrestled. He took that Olympic medal. He turned it sideways and shoved it up and Mur- Henry's ass. That's as The Rock would say. Against Cejudo. Against Cejudo. He he apparently was doing some grappling sparring with Aljo before, according to Ray Longo. Dude, that
0: is that is the craziest part that they did three rounds of sparring to get ready in the back.
1: Marab legitimately might have a third lung. It's like that horse secretariat when he died and they studied him and he's like his heart's just bigger than everyone else's. If we find out that Marab's got some things in his body. And I know some fighters are suggesting that he does have some things in his body. But if we find out he has a third lung, it wouldn't be surprising because what he's doing does not make sense. Um, Look, bro, Morab's the best band in the world. I'm tired of all these fighters running away from fights to determine who the best Mm -hmm. fighter in the world. That's why I like this sport. I like this sport. I love this sport because I grew up being told a lie which is the best fighters fight the best fighters. That's what Dana told me. Now he's trying to put together Jemaya versus Leon and not put together Bilal versus Leon. So clearly Dana's lying to me now. And, and I, I'm tired I, of this. Hey, hey! I won a championship. I won one fight. I'm going to become a double champion. Get the hell out of here. Clean out your weight class first.
0: When you talk about best band weight in the world, Where's Patchy Mix fit in this equation?
1: I I Mirab. Behind Mirab, because Marap, Mirab's gonna put him on his ass. The
0: the and only Patchy thing I would the only thing I would be concerned about is would he be able to handle the striking aspect of Sean you know, because obviously at the, at the end of the day, the round starts on the feet. Like if, if you say the three best bantamweights weights in the world are Sean O'Malley, Marab, and Patchy. If I asked 10 knowledgeable MMA people. I don't know if we have a consistent one, two, three. I think it would be all over the board.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It would
0: I, be I, I would probably say that more people would say Marab right now is the best band of weight in the world than they would say it's Sean O'Malley or Patchy Mix.
1: If if, if a man put a gun in your head and you said Sean's fighting Marab, Patchy's fighting Marab, you got to be right. You got to be right on your fight prediction. I would pick Marab.
0: Yeah, I would too.
1: Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the stand-up of Sean because, again, I've been carrying Murad's bathwater this entire segment. That being said, I wouldn't be shut if those two fight and Sean knocks them out in a minute because Sean does have stand-up, killer stand-up, and Henry touched up Murad. In round you know
0: one. you know what Sean Mao's worst fear maybe right now? A drug test what? Gets a call from Dana. Hey, hey, oh, Sean, oh. um, we, got, we, we got a problem. Oh, hey, Dana, what's up? What's, what's the problem? Uh, Cheater just pulled out. Um, you ready to take home Rob? No, you know, no way. I I would be shocked if he would accept a short notice fight. Let you know, three weeks away to take home Rob. Zero. If, if you were in the Sean O'Malley camp, we'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can we get Corey Sandhagen? Zero chance he
1: takes that fight. He's going to yeah. try and take... He'd rather take on Peter Yan again. Be like, bump up Yan. Uh, yeah, zero chance he's taking that on short notice. I mean, that would be a bad idea. I wouldn't advise that.
0: You mentioned but. about Bilal Muhammad. The next question is, Leon Edwards' next title offense will be against Bilal Muhammad. So after... The uh, UFC during the UFC 298 post-fight press conference, Dana White praised Leon Edwards, saying that they offered him three opponents for UFC 300. He said yes to all of them, and Bilal said, "Well, I wasn't one of them." <laughs> I think this should be a message to Bilal Muhammad or what the UFC thinks of you. Yeah, the
1: answer is false. It sucks. I feel bad for Bilal. I really do. Like it. The tide has turned from I would be disappointed if Bilal versus Leon is the UFC 300 main event to now I feel bad for Bilal Muhammad and I am demanding he gets the next championship fight. Like, that is what has happened. The fact that he reached out to three other fights and, you know, the UFC are geniuses. They reached out to three fighters who are honoring Ramadan. They reached out to one fighter who can't get in this country. And...
0: (laughs) I, I don't know. I, I think I sent you the tweet. Kareem Zadan um, he posted an article, and it was it was uh, I couldn't read all of it because it was a subscription based thing. But I want to find the tweet. But basically, the 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 synopsis of the tweet was that Hamza Shmaev cannot get into the United States due to his relationship uh, with Krylov.
1: Yeah, and. It's a very peculiar situation because I don't know what it's like to be born in a country where you have a dictator and you get successful in that country and the pressure you must feel from said dictator in terms of you have your whole family in that country. So for Chemaev, I do think in this type of situation, I have a lot of empathy for him. Because dictators are nasty people. I mean, look at what's happened in Russia. I mean, this isn't no geopolitical podcast, but the opposition leader died in a prison cell. And I watched his documentary, Navalny, and that's something he saw coming. I mean, he knew it was going to come and it happened. So dictators are powerful, dangerous people that kill people and do whatever they want. So when you look at Jemiah man, I do have empathy for being in that situation. And we see it with various fighters that are successful. You know, this is a global sport. And you see fighters who are successful in countries that have significant corruption and evil. So on one side, I have empathy. On the other side, don't be friends with dictators if you can. Don't so- if, if you can, if you can avoid it, go for it. Because it's bad, it's bad business, and there's a bad human humanity.
0: So Kareem wrote this article, uh, where it's the headline is how a UFC star was banned from entering the United States, and then the small little headline underneath it says the UFC reportedly wanted Hamzat Chimaev to headline UFC 300. However, the Chechen fighter is unable to enter the U.S. due to his connections with warlord Hamzat Kryov. Look, and it's it's one of those things that if you are the UFC. And you start to come to realization, we may never be able to get Hamzat Shemayaev into the United States on a work visa. How do you give him a title shot?
1: You can still do it because you still run a significant amount of your events outside of America. And in particular, you run big events in the Middle East. And so maybe he
0: becomes your Middle East champion. I mean, that would be the thing to me was outside of Abu Dhabi. What countries would allow him in if the U.S. is currently saying, no, we're not going to let you in the country?
1: I don't know. I'm not familiar with with the laws of various countries. I know some are more open to it. But regardless, you really don't need any other countries. You can just have him be the Saudi Arabia main eventer, to be frank with you. You know, Saudi Arabia is such a big presence in this sport. Again, we're seeing it as the location for the big debut of the new PFL this weekend. He can just become your Saudi Arabian champion. Clearly, the UFC has been aware of his issues and they still tried to make the championship fight. Donald Trump becomes president, which seems pretty likely, actually. You know, not to say, you not to get into a debate on politics, but when you look at what the predictions are, it seems like he's the more likely candidate to win. Maybe he gives Chimaev a first-class plane ride to America, because obviously he is a big MMA fan. I think he knows who Chimaev is. So, you you don't think Dana might call the president and be like, "Can I get him in this country?" (laughs) So that might happen.
0: Is that the favor Dana White wants to call in?
1: What would be his favors? I mean, there's a couple. All right, let's let's
0: brain let's brainstorm, Dana. Uh, right,
1: would it, it gonna be? His there, there favorite?
0: is one that I think clearly tops all. Uh, can I guess? Go ahead.
1: I think all it's right. an easy one.
0: If you're gonna call in a favor to potentially, you know, Trump no. becoming reelected, I think there is one. If you're gonna call in a favor, say we need your help. I think I know where the favor comes from.
1: Donald, I'm gonna need you to figure out how to get that Ollie Act and yeah. uh, get it thrown out. No, what is it? Antitrust lawsuit. Oh crap! You're right. My bad. I was thinking about the courts. Wasn't thinking about the antitrust lawsuit. Yeah, yeah, you're
0: right. <laughs> that would that would be your favor to call in because if they lose yeah. that case, God knows how much money we're talking about. The UFC is gonna have to pay out.
1: You know, I got a question. I got you know what favor I would call in. What's that? The president. Joe Biden. Joe, I'm going to need you to do me a favor, sir. I'm going to need you to legally force the UFC (laughs) to put on a main event that's worthy of UFC 300.
0: Thank you. Uh, That's not where I thought you were going. I thought (laughs) you were going to say uh, no more events at the apex. Joe, look, bro. I had to stop. Hey, hey, All right, I'll say this right now. And hey, look, we're not a political podcast. I would be shocked if Joe Biden watches mixed martial arts.
1: Yeah.
0: First of all, I, I it's, it's on way too late.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. I, I don't think it's his cup of tea. I don't know yeah. if he's a big sports Yeah. At the end of the day, bro, I had this thought. What's that? We will never see a fighters union. Oh, I but five percent chance, but five percent. We need to make a union of fans because
0: yeah. I'm tired yeah. of
1: this. shit. I am tired <laughs> of this Apex card. And for the love of God, I am tired of the UFC. There is no other sport that I watch, and I watch a lot of sports. Sometimes I watch pickleball. There is no other sport where I more often think of the business implications of their decision. There's no other sport where I think, oh, they're doing this because they want to make more money. They're doing this because they know they can be cheap here and make more money than the UFC. There's no other sport where the dialogue around the biggest event is, oh, well, clearly they're not going to put Conor McGregor on the car because the champions get a percentage of the purse and they don't want to share that purse. And also, UFC 300 is also going to do great business. So, hey, let's not kill two cows at once. There is no other sport where I think they do not care anymore about giving the fans what they want. They care about getting the money out of the fans' pocket for the least cost possible.
0: I saw a great comment on Twitter Um Yesterday, the day before, there's this video where Dana White is talking about when Habib defeated Conor McGregor, that Putin gave him $20 million of real estate. And the comment was, boy, don't you find it interesting? Dana loves to talk about how much fighters of money they get outside of competition, but doesn't want to talk about how much money they get inside competition. And like, and then the whole, like, Conor has all this money, and like, like God, like, I get why the credential media does things the way they do because you've seen what's happened to other reporters in this industry that do their job, but just come out and say, Dana, is this a contract issue?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dana, is this a money issue? Dana is endeavor trying to make their profits perfect as, as efficient as possible. Is that the priority? And I get it. In any business, and all these sports are businesses, the goal is to make money. Do not get me wrong. I get it. I'm not a child. But for the love of God, these sports at least distract me enough. When it comes to the Super Bowl, I'm not thinking about, well, you know, business-wise, it makes more sense to do this. I'm thinking about this is the epicenter of everything. Oh, my God. You know? WWE could be like, WrestleMania is going to sell itself. Rock, we want you on the show after uh, WrestleMania, buddy, because WrestleMania is going to sell itself. Nah, bro, it's WrestleMania. They are going all out, balls out. Why can't the UFC go balls out, Jason?
0: And, And people have not seen the ticket price for UFC 300. The cheap ticket just to get in the building. $600 $600 upper level, 600 to $750 lower bowl, 1250 to 2,500. And if you want to sit on the floor, $3,000. And yeah. I mean, look, we, we've seen what, where UFC ticket prices are at. And it, the reality is, is that the UFC has priced out middle-class America. I mean, let's just be honest about it. Like you know, even if you like even if you make let's say you make seventy-five thousand dollars a year, are you ready to spend two grand to have a decent seat to watch a UFC pay-per-view live?
1: Simply put, buying a ticket to a UFC pay-per-view is outside of the price range of a middle tier or below UFC fighter. It would be fiscally irresponsible for Mr. Barlow, for Mr. O'Ban Elliott <laughs> to purchase a ticket to UFC 300.
0: Yeah, I know. By the way, just go back on the the, the Leon Edwards uh, true-false. I think his next fight will be against Blum Muhammad. I think it's going to be the main event of UFC 301.
1: I hope so. I hope you're right. I'm going to go false because I think the UFC hates Lee, uh, Bilal, but uh, it makes the most sense, and it, uh, I hope yeah. that is what happens.
0: From a sporting aspect, Bilal should be the next challenger for Leon Edwards, but we know how this sport is. We got we got one more to mention here. Which UFC 300 fighter will be the highest ranked when UFC 400 happens? Bo Nichols, is the easy answer here, Daniel. I mean, that that's the yeah. easy answer. Because the problem is, as UFC four hundred. We're, we're you know six seven years away from that happening. If, if Bo Nickel's around, he he would be the guy that would stick out the most.
1: That is that is the easy answer. So yeah, let's say it's seven years away. I'm gonna go just to just to be a contrarian over here. I'm just checking the ages of everyone. My uh, my favorite for the non Bo Nickel category has got to be jim miller no, i'm kidding has got to be armin sarukian mm-hmm. because he is currently 27 years old so in seven years he'll be 34 really talented already if it's not bo Nickel, it's armin sarukian so give me armin sarukian everyone else the majority will be retired by ufc 400
0: yeah exactly now we talked about ufc 300 it was announced to me it's just very odd that they would not announce it on the pay-per-view uh, of Alex and, and Jamal. And this fight makes all the sense in the world. It was initially slated to be the main event uh, of UFC 301. Jamal Hill on, on his podcast talked about he got the call on Friday and then mentioned that he got the bag to take this matchup. So uh, kudos to him for coming back for this one. Like a, a, As you look at it, if you said, if this was UFC 301, 302, 303, I think fans are... Uh, in absolute love with his fight card, but I just think it was kind of a, a, an unrealistic expectation that we were going to kind of get that, that massive fight. I, and I think the only realistic fight that probably could have been made would have been Connor taking on uh, Chandler. But I thought you, you brought up a great point a little bit earlier is do you want to put a Connor fight with other title fights where, you know, you're giving pay view points to those fighters? Probably not.
1: Yeah. That's the thought process of the UFC. I would imagine And I hate it because I'm a fan of this sport. And when I watch UFC 300, I want to celebrate this sport. I don't want to tell my friend, hey, buddy, UFC 300 is happening. Alex Pereira is taking on Jamal Hill. And my friend tells me, who's Jamal Hill? I say, oh, no, he won the championship. Remember that one fight when he won? uh, You don't. Okay. I want to tell my friend, hey, bro, UFC 300 is happening. Conor McGregor is fighting. Let's go. Mm -hmm. That's what I want as a fan. And as I mentioned earlier, all I think about is the UFC's business when it comes to what should be a celebration of this show. At the end of the day, Alex versus Jamal is a badass fight. At yes. the end of the day, UFC 300, like UFC 299 and like UFC 298, is a badass fight. But the UFC dropped the ball. It was realistic to put on a badass fight because they could have put on a badass fight that involved Conor McGregor with all the other potential super fights. Fall in the way of the dodo. The one I haven't really gotten any confirmation on is why Izzy versus DDP could not happen. Jamal and Alex was a massive disappointment. The UFC knew it was going to be a massive disappointment. That's why they tried to hide it in a news dump in a post fight press conference at midnight central, 1 a.m. Eastern. It's a damn good fight. It's a disappointment.
0: Let me, let me just throw this out here. We we know th- three of the five fights that are going to be on the pay-per-view. What are going to be the other two? Th- and then I could, because I think of the other three being scheduled for five-round fights, I got to think the UFC's got to be looking for fights that they think are going to be first-round finishes. That's why I think Bo Nickel ends up on the pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, I could see Bo Nickel, and honestly, I think Yuri and Rakich is your other one. Um, I, I think that's a fight, but it, it could be anything. Again, this card is stupid good. It is really stupid good. It's exciting. Garbrandt, Figueredo, Cater, Sterling. Cater, Sterling could be, I I don't know, Jason. Here's Um, here's a
0: question. Do you put Kayla Harrison on the pay review or do you make her the featured prelim on ESPN?
1: I think certainly that is the featured prelim on ESPN, especially because it has the opportunity to go to a boring decision. This UFC 300 main event is a lot like what it was like for me being a Houston Rockets fan. And let me tell you why. There's this thing called the NBA Draft. There's this thing called the NBA Draft Lottery. Last year, there was this player named Victor Wembinyama.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Game changer. I believe the last time they, they measured him, he was actually 10 foot 4. And so if the Rockets got Victor Wembanyama, my life would be forever great. <laughs> it would be 20 years of having the best player in the league. So I spent all this time before the NBA draft lottery, which, for those that are unaware, the like the the bottom thirteen teams all have a chance to get the first overall pick. So I spent months dreaming, envisioning about, oh my God, Victor's gonna be here. As an MA fan, I spent months envisioning the UFC three hundred main event. It's gonna be like when Moses went up and God gave him the Ten Commandments. We're gonna get the UFC three hundred main event. I've been waiting. It's been since 1990-something, since the UFC's been around. We've made it to the UFC 300. I spent months just salivating, getting hyped. And then I said, you know what? We might not get the number one pick, but I heard that Scoot Henderson guy might be the next Kobe Bryant. So you know what? Izzy versus DDP, that's good enough, too. I'll take that. I'll be excited. And then I did a little more research, and I heard Brandon Miller is going to be a game changer. I'm like, okay, that will be good too uh, if I get one of the top three. And then the NBA draft lottery happens, and the Houston Rockets get the fourth pick. And it's good. We got Aman Thompson. He's a good basketball player. (laughs) We'll be all right, but But we didn't get what we wanted. And that is the UFC 300.
0: Yeah, you knew it was the three-man. But here's, uh, to come to the defense here, the UFC, when it comes to UFC 300, if you look at every one of the fights on this card, every fight on this card that's not a title fight could very easily be a main event of a fight night card.
1: Well, yeah, but if I went into the street right now and I saw two people fighting in the corner, that could also be the main event of a UFC Apex card, Jason.
0: I also heard this other funny line. It was, hey, if you get offered, they say, hey, we want you to be a main event of the Fight Night card. Do you first go Apex or yeah. uh, somewhere oh, else? No question. No
1: question. <laughs> no question. You got to figure it out. But old school UFC Fight Night, all these fights could be a headliner on one of those cards, except for maybe like, I don't know, Yusef and Lopez
0: uh, or Andrade. Nah, Rodriguez. nah. Sadiq and, and that that would be a that'd be a that'd be an apex fight night main event. No,
1: no. Well, I'm saying old school fight night. I'm oh, saying oh. you actually
0: have to sell tickets. You
1: actually have to sell tickets to a fight night. Nickel Brundage, Lopez, Yusev, Andraj, Rodriguez would be three fights. I wouldn't put as a main event. And Miller Green wouldn't be one either, even though Miller Green gets elevated by the fact that Tanya is 300. If we're talking old school, if we're talking current day, no doubt about it, all of these fights could headline an apex card.
0: Maybe they put Bobby Green and Jim Miller on the main card for nostalgia purposes.
1: I think that's a hell of a, and you know those two guys are going to, even if it goes a distance, it's going to be a badass fight. I mean, it's going to be like Whitaker-Costa. I mean, that went the distance, but you weren't thinking about it. You were just enjoying the action. So I think it would be the same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, and look, hopefully, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll probably catch a decent amount uh, of these fights live on Saturday. But, uh, you know, hopefully the PFL belts or card, you know, goes off well. I mean, I, you know, I think, as I said earlier, the McKee-Collard fight, I think, to me, is a matchup that that intrigues me the most. Um, and then, obviously, when it comes to UFC, it, it's, a, it's a main event, co-main event. I mean, the, the UFC main event, co-main event, to me, is by far the top two fights of the weekend. And then, uh, you know, I, and there's, and just from my taste in mixed martial arts, I'd probably put McKee Collard third.
1: Yeah, I, I think you look at three through seven, you're going to find those on the BFL versus Bellator cards because, like, the rest of the UFC fight night, isn't that exciting? Yep. It, it's two big fights that are making the draw, and then it's a lot of, like, ah, prospects. Or, hey, Ro Rosas is fighting uh, Ricky Tercios. That's interesting. You know, the most interesting fighter on this fight night card that isn't a part of the top two fights is probably, in my estimation, the women's strawweight fighter, Yasmin Urigi. She has a lot of potential coming off said loss, but she's exciting. But after the top two fights, the next five most interesting fights are going to be happening in Saudi Arabia at PFL versus Bellator.
0: Yeah, and then then, uh, next week we're back to Apex cards.
1: Damn it damn it is all i gotta say i dislike those cards so much you knew it's an apex card because the main eventer doesn't have a wikipedia profile but uh here we are at least we are just a fortnight away from uh, ufc 299 and again that is one heck of a card i cannot wait
0: yeah look forward to it and of course as always appreciate everyone tuning in to this episode of the podcast of course uh, rate review subscribe all that we really do appreciate it and that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the MMA report podcast